Welcome to an inspiring message from Awaken City Church. For more information about us, visit awakencity.com.au. Father God, I just thank You for Your grace, Your gift. I thank You that You're doing a good work in us. I ask, oh God, that as we press on into the new year, let us not lose sight that all things can be made new. That we don't have to do the old. We don't have to just go around and around and around. That Lord God, every time we take an opportunity to meet with You, it's an opportunity to be made new by Your Spirit. And so, Father God, I ask wherever we are in our journey, whether we've known You for a long time, whether we are yet to encounter You, whether we are in the beginning stages of stepping out in faith, whatever it is, Lord, let us know. Let us grab hold of the reality that we are Your masterpiece, created anew in Christ for great things. So bless Your people as we press on anew in Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen. Last week, we were talking a little bit about starting the year off with this thought of uh, out of the, the book of Joshua, where, where Joshua reminds the people of God at that point in their history, after they had spent so long going round and round and round in the wilderness, that they were called to cross over into the promises of God and that Joshua called the people by saying, you have not been this way before. Could I just encourage you again to see this year as a year you have not been this way before. There is new ground for you this year, 2024. There is new ground for you. If you're willing to step out, if you're willing to go on the adventure, I promise you there is new ground, which I can almost promise you the opposite. If you're unwilling, <coughs> excuse me, to step out, if, if all you're caught up with is the stories and the narratives of what it's been and all the lies that say it's not worth it and it's too hard, I almost, I could guarantee you this will be another year of going around the mountain. Then nobody can force any one of us to move forward. Do you know the crazy thing is that you can't change anybody else? So one of the most interesting things about learning life through being in a committed relationship with my beautiful wife, Rhiannon, who I love and is perfect in every way. The thing is, see, I'm not in this to change her. I actually can't change my wife. All I can do is grab hold of what she feels God is calling her to change in and champion that. And vice versa, she can't change me. All we can do is learn how to champion each other and encourage each other about what we feel God's called us to do. And so with that in mind, we are called to new ground in 2024. And I wanted to just deliver to you a thought that comes out of the book of Nehemiah. Can you say Nehemiah with me? Nehemiah. Say it like you mean it, Nehemiah. Nehemiah. I love it. Nehemiah is a book in the Old Testament that captures an account in the history of God's people where they have lost everything. An entire generation has been raised outside of their homeland. So they, they had a home and they had it all together. They, they had the mansion and the, and the pool and they, they had the, the place of position. But over generations previously, God's people had lost track of who they were and who they were called to be. And what happens to people is when we lose track of who we are and who we're called to be, then we'll get off track in different ways. And God's people had gotten off 
track. And as they'd gotten off track, what they had actually done is they'd walked out of God's protection and they walked out of His covering, not despite His warnings, not despite His challenges, not despite all the things that God would send in prophets to say, please turn back, please turn back. The further you go, the worse it's going to be for you. But yet they refuse to listen. They get it right sometimes and then get it wrong. Get it right sometimes and get it wrong until they stopped getting it right completely. And so Nehemiah's generation was a generation that was raised outside of the promised land. They were raised outside of their homeland because the generations before them, his grandparents, his great grandparents had lost their way. And here's Nehemiah who knows where he's from knows that He is from a city called Jerusalem, who knows about the plans and purposes of God and yet He's stuck in a foreign land working for somebody else and not able to work in the things that God's called Him into. Nehemiah had a job. He had a, had a significant job at that time, a trusted job. He was high up in things. He was the cupbearer to the foreign king. And I know that may not sound like much to us today that somebody's entire job would be to carry a cup. But the deal was, see, the king, whenever he would drink something, he wouldn't just take it and have a sip. Wouldn't go to the drive-thru at Macca's and get a frozen Coke and just accept it from the server. What he had with him at all times was a cupbearer, Nehemiah, in the front seat with him in his Jeep as he pulls up to Macca's to get a frozen Coke. And before he takes a swig of that thing, turns around to Nehemiah and says, have a go, mate. And Nehemiah's entire job was to taste, test everything. But it wasn't to say whether it was good or not. It wasn't a master chef thing where Nehemiah's job was to say, well, there's a little bit too much sugar in this and artificial flavours. It wasn't to say, oh, a little bit, of, little bit of salt. I don't see how that works with a frozen Coke, but you get my thought. It wasn't a master chef critique. What he was, was if there was poison in it, his job was to die. Can you imagine that? Could you imagine going for that, gro- that job on LinkedIn? Just cupbearer. Qualifications. Willingness to die. I'll drink anything. <laughs> but it was actually a place of quite deep trust. And prominence because the king had to have absolute trust that this person was testing his food because people would try to assassinate and murder to no end. Nehemiah was in that position and he was faithful and he served faithfully in it until one day, in the book of Nehemiah, you've seen the start of it, he gets wind of something that he wasn't fully aware of. He finds out information that I don't know whether he suspected, but he didn't know. Somebody comes from his homeland. And again, it's his homeland in name only. He's not grown up there. Could you imagine living somewhere else and just hearing about this promised land that you knew was yours, but you yet had not entered in? And he's there and he receives a story. And he hears the story. He says, what about Jerusalem, my home city that I've not been to? What about Jerusalem? What's happened to Jerusalem? And somebody says to Nehemiah, well, Nehemiah, let me tell you the truth. It is desolated. It is destroyed. It is gone. There's not even a wall around it. And it says in the Scriptures, if you read Nehemiah chapter 1, it says that Nehemiah broke down and wept. 
It says that he mourned as if he was mourning for somebody that he loved that he'd lost. And he fell to his needs. And you think in our culture, why, why, why do that? Why that? Because in that culture at that time, for a city to not have walls, it meant that it had no protection and no identity. It was lost. And Nehemiah brings this. He, he's, here's what he does. Instead of living in the discouragement and the disappointment, Instead of living in the story that I've lost everything, how unfair is this? Which he easily could have. Instead, here's what he does. After he processes the pain, which says something to us about the importance of processing and dealing with the hurt. As he processes the pain, here's what he does. Is that next time when he's in front of the King that he's serving, he is bold enough to present when asked, What's wrong with you, Nehemiah? How can I be here when my city lays in ruin? And it enacts a whole plan of God where Nehemiah, because of his confidence and boldness before the foreign king, is actually resourced and sent back into the homeland that he'd never seen to rebuild a city that he'd only heard about. The book of Nehemiah is amazing. If you were to read the book or start reading it today, what you'd read is it's a book that's like a, a memoir of sorts. It's like a diary. It's like Nehemiah's just writing down the different experiences he had. And then in there, you'll get his personal prayers and his personal thoughts. It's a very intimate book. And in that, you see that Nehemiah goes back to the land that he'd never seen to rebuild it for a generation that was yet to come. Church, I feel that as we stand here at the start of 2024, God is calling you to go ahead so that you can build by His grace the things that others will benefit from. That what you build will not just benefit you, it will benefit others around you. It will benefit others that you are yet to meet. There is more in you. And now is the time to take hold of the reality that God's calling you to move forward no matter what. I know some of us may feel like as we start the new year that everything's desolate and everything's destroyed. And I wanna say that's okay because it's out of places like this that God's call will resonate and we have the choice to respond. Nehemiah goes into the land and he surveys it. The first few chapters you see that he goes back and he's, he's not really telling people what he's going back to do. He's been resourced. He's been given a letter, letter by the foreign king. Basically, he's been given a limitless credit card. Get as much wood and as much supplies as he wants. It's like, like going to Bunnings and just taking whatever you want off the shelf. Don't do that. You'll get locked away. But he was allowed to. And he surveys the city and then he, he starts preparing a dream to see what was destroyed, rebuilt. And what he does is he positions people. See, Nehemiah didn't just go back by himself. He went back with those that this was their land too. And Nehemiah just becomes the forerunner to set people up to their own call. And what he does is he starts setting people up at part of this destroyed wall around the city. It's been, it's been burnt and it's been brought down to rubble. And instead of Nehemiah trying to fix every problem himself, what he does is he identifies families and people and individuals. And he says, you have a part to play. And he positions them on the wall. And he says, here's your part to play. Remove the junk, remove the rubble. 
clean it up. You, you clean this up and then, then, then build the wall. Grab, grab, some, grab some bricks and grab, some, grab, grab the trowel, grab some cement, whatever, and start building. And bit by bit, you build together. And then the person next to you builds as well. And the person next to you builds. And it was a project where everybody had a part to play. The most amazing thing I could imagine. Could you imagine that? Instead of getting in builders that would just do a section while other people were just observing, everybody had a part to play. Every point of the wall was built by families who claimed that part of the wall and said, we will dwell here. And when a people come together to build together, God establishes identity and protection. And you think that sounds wonderful, but Nehemiah faced resistance at every turn. And so as he's focused on rebuilding the wall, I want you to listen to this out of Nehemiah chapter 6. Verse 1 says this, When Sembalat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arabian, and the rest of our enemies heard that I rebuilt the wall, and that there was not a gap in it. Though at that time I had not erected the doors and the gates, Sembalat and Geshem sent to me saying, come, that we might meet together. And one of the villages in the plain of Uno, can you say Uno? I just wanted you to say that, I love it. In the plain of Uno. But they planned to do evil to me. So I sent messages to them saying, I am doing a great work, so I'm not able to come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and come down to you? Four more times they sent for me like this, but I answered them the same way. I believe God's calling us as we press on to new ground to learn to draw off Him and limit the distractions that would take us off track. Nehemiah has empowered an entire people to do what God has called them to do. But there's enemies. That word Sembalat, that name, means hidden enemy. It's this idea of an enemy there resisting you, but you sometimes can't clearly see it. And it's this idea that as you step out in the things of God, don't be surprised if Sembalats rise up. And could I just encourage all parents that are preparing children in the new year, don't name your kids Sembalat. But see, Nehemiah as a name means God comforts. And so Nehemiah is challenged by Sembalat, the hidden enemy. And the hidden enemy, here's his assignment, to get Nehemiah off track. And so he's harassing him, not once, not twice, not three times, four times. Stop what you're doing. Stop what you're doing and come out to us. Come, stop what you're doing. Stop, stop that focus. Stop that, 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 what you're doing to build. Stop, stop that. Don't, don't you want to come out? Come out to us in the fields and the plains. Come out to us to the plain of Uno. Now, I've got to be honest with you, that, that name Uno means in the original language, strength and vigorous energy. Uh, but whenever I read it, I can't help but think of that game that you play with cards called Uno. 
Now I've got to be honest, the game did not come from there, but it's the same idea. Have you ever played the game Uno before? I hate it. My wife loves it. And many times in our, in our life together, often she would pull out a card deck of Uno to play during downtime whenever she had time. And she would often ask me to play until I said no enough that she doesn't ask me again. Maybe it's been 12 years since she's asked me. Probably, I need to start saying yes. See, one of the things is you pull out Uno, there's nothing wrong with Uno, let me just be clear. If you play Uno, you're not doing anything wrong. But it's that interesting idea that what, what's Uno about? I don't know if you've played it. I can't even remember the rules, but you've got colourful cards that you slap down and you say Uno. And you think, what is this game accomplishing? Well, at the right time, at the right place, it's accomplishing a lot. It's giving you a bit of downtime and connection with people. But here's the point. Nehemiah had a great work to do, a great assignment by God. He was given something to build and it was not time to stop yet. And you see the hidden enemy attacks him with distraction. Come out to the field and play. Leave what you're doing and allow my distractions to take you away from what you're meant to be and what you're meant to call others to. Come out to the plane of Uno. You know, in Mark chapter 4, verse 18, picking up the words of Jesus, he's talking about how the Word of God is sown and it can make a different a difference in the lives of people if they allow it. And it says this in Mark 4, 18. Still others like seeds sown among thorns hear the Word, talking about the message of God and what difference that makes in their life. In verse 19, But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the Word, making it unfruitful. Others like seeds sown on good soil hear the word, they accept it and they produce a crop some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. That word there in verse 19, but the worries of this life literally means in the original language, the distractions of this world. And I am convinced that we are living in the most distracted generation that has yet walked the earth. Do you know that we have people who are paid lots of money to design certain things using certain devices that all they do is suck your available time and allow us to feel like we need more of this and yet we feel more empty than ever. Why is there such an epidemic of anxiety and mental health issues when all we have is more tools and gadgets to get us by? Why is it getting worse and not getting better? Because mankind was not created for distraction. We were created to accomplish great things. There's a meaning and a purpose to your life. And the meaning and the purpose is not to go out to the plains of Uno, 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 and grab a deck of cards and just slap that down as if that is the greatest thing you could do with your world. See, there's a time for play and there's a time to make a difference. And as we enter into the new ground of 2024, God is calling you to a great work. Nehemiah's response to him. In verse 3, So I sent messages to them, saying, I am doing a great work, so I am not 
able to come down? Why should the work cease? Well, I leave it and come down to you. We're called to a great work. In rebuilding the city, and if I could invite the worship team to come and join me. In rebuilding the city of Jerusalem, God was working through everybody along the side, Nehemiah, that had a part to play to sow a difference that would go far beyond them. Why would I leave such a great work? Again, echoing the words of Jesus in Matthew 5 verse 14, Jesus says this, You, can you say that with me? You, one more time, you. He's addressing it to you. He's addressing it to me. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. See, the purpose of the church is that we all play our part together. We all take our position on the wall and we build with what God has given us to build. And as we build, we get to live out the reality that we are light in a dark place. See, wherever you introduce light, it drives away the darkness. Where there's an absence of light, darkness reigns. But the moment light is introduced, darkness starts to flee. Now you might be feeling here on the start of 2024 that you're nothing more than a candle flickering. Well, that's something. Cultivate it. Because I promise you, if you cultivate that flame that is your life, when you are put in a position next to different fuel and something that is combustible because you're just doing what you know you should be doing, you're doing the work bit by bit. God, build me so I can build others. God, build me so I can build others. What will happen is that candle that is you will come up alongside something combustible and whoosh. What started small becomes massive. We are a city on a hill. A light that cannot be contained. I love flying into Perth at night time and you start to see out the window. I, I never get window seats because of my legs. I always go with the aisles and I'm so, I'm so rude to those people walking up and down the aisles. Take up all that room. But when we get close to the city, man, I'm so rude to the person sitting at the window because I just lean over. I get the best of both worlds. I love seeing the lights in the distance. You think every one of those lights comes from a household, comes from a family, comes from people. People. A church is not made of a building or a room, but people working alongside one another as God builds through us something that makes a difference where we are now. There is a great work that you were called to. Can I just mention to you right now that the purpose of your life is to thrive. Jesus said, I've come to give life and life abundant. The purpose is no matter where you're at now, whatever circumstance you're facing, you can thrive in it. It doesn't mean that every circumstance is good, right, or isn't something worth pushing up against? But I wanna encourage you, do not allow the distractions, the worries, the concerns that will strip you away from who you're called to be. Don't go away from the work you're called to be. You are called to be somebody who builds. 
And God wants to do that by first building in you who you are and who you're called to be. Gotta know who you are. Nehemiah was in a foreign land, but yet he never forgot who he was. He never forgot what he was called to be. He was called to be somebody back there. He didn't moan, he didn't wait. He, 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 he did the best he could with what he had, but when the opportunity came, he was there ready to go. This is your year of ready to go. This is your year of ready to go. Come on, this is your year of ready to go. Be ready. Because as you're ready, God builds through you so that as you are built up, you can build others up as well. Everybody on the wall playing their part, building together. And when we build together, the work does not overwhelm. It amazes. I love the account in Nehemiah where says not once, not twice, not three, but four times Sembalat, the hidden enemy, tries to distract Nehemiah away from the work. Do you know he didn't stop after four times? You think he'd get a hint. Nehemiah's just ghosting him. He's not opening up those messages. And so here's what Sembalat does, because he is dead keen as the hidden enemy to take God's people off track through distraction. Here's what he does. In Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 5, as we bring this to land. So Sembalat. Can you say Sembalat? Say it like you mean it, Sembalat. Sembalat sent the same request a fifth time by his servant. But listen to this, he does this one a bit different. But the letter was open in his hand. Oh, so what's Sembalat doing? He's sending an open letter so that everybody else can read what he's sending through to Nehemiah. He's inviting other people into the story. Come and see the conflict that we have. In it was written, it is reported among the nations and Geshem, who's my best mate, confirms it, that you and the Jews are planning to rebel. Consequently, you are rebuilding the war. How dare you? According to these words, you are their King. What he's trying to do is he's trying to create a narrative, a false narrative. You might even say fake news, where he's trying to stir trouble for Nehemiah. I want you to see how Nehemiah responds. Consequently, you are rebuilding the water. According to these words, you are their king. You're in it for yourself, Nehemiah. I can see right through you. You've also appointed prophets to preach on your behalf in Jerusalem. See, you've positioned yourself like your God. Nehemiah, you've got it coming. Saying there is a king in Judah. According to these words, it will now be reported to the king, the foreign king. So come now and let us consult together. Come now, Nehemiah, come out to the plains of Uno. Come on, mate, I've got you cornered. Leave that work and come out and play games with me, mate. Otherwise, I'm gonna report on you and you're in trouble. You wanna hear what Nehemiah's response is? This is Nehemiah's response. Verse eight, I sent him this response saying, Nothing like these reports that you are saying has occurred. From your own mind, you are inventing them. Nothing like these reports you are saying has occurred. From your own mind, you're inventing them. Because they all wanted to frighten us, they thought they will pull our hands back from the work, but that would never be done. So now, here we go. 
you give an insight into the heart of Nehemiah here, where he's capturing almost like in a journal what's going on. He's just told us the pressure he's under, the enemy that's trying to harass him. See his response right now. But that would never be done. So now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. As we stand on the prefaces of a new year, the prayer of Nehemiah is the most powerful prayer I could release over you right now. Whatever you may be facing, can I promise you, good, bad or indifferent, for the year ahead, there will come distractions. The enemy is nothing if not persistent, not once, not twice, not three, not four, maybe five times. And maybe in the midst of that, there's a whole heap of false narratives that come up, mostly in our own heads. Do you know the battle seems to be in our own minds often, more than anything? And the New Testament says we struggle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against spiritual forces. You know, there is a spiritual realm. There's more to this world than what we see. And sometimes our battle isn't with people. Sometimes it's with a direct spiritual entity called Satan and everything that's attached to him that would take us away from what we're called to be. And his most common way of fight, uh, fighting us is to get us off track of who we think we are and who we think we're called to be. And Nehemiah in that says, I don't care what they say. I'm not gonna stoop so low. Oh Lord, would you strengthen my hands? Why, why strengthen my hands? Because I wanna pick up the bricks and build the wall. Because I wanna walk next to people and put my hand on their shoulder and saying, good job, picking up that brick and putting it on the wall. I wanna keep walking down the wall and give people high five. Man, you built a good wall. I wanna use my hands for something more than pointing at things and calling things out. I don't wanna live my life as a critic. I wanna live my life as a participant, a creative in the things of God to make a difference with what I have. Lord, oh God, strengthen my hands. As we stand here on the edge of 2024, I wanna submit to you that it's the most powerful prayer you can grab hold of right now. Philippians 4 verse 13 says this. It says, not the phone call. <laughs> Philippians 4.13. To set the scene is a portion of the Scripture written by a man who's locked away in jail for his faith, who has every reason to complain, but says this, I can do all things because of Christ who strengthens me. There is a strength found in the yes and just being available and faithful and being all in. There is a strength found in the focus that you have a part to play in the great work. So God, utilise me so I can make a difference. There is a strength found in surrender, not to the enemy and not to distraction, but to this idea that come what may, I'm not gonna get off track. For some of us, come on, God is speaking to you. You're called right now to go into your workplace and work like you've never worked before and make that place a blessing and not a hindrance and rise to the top because you are called to be a blessing no matter where you are. Even if it's a terrible workplace, you can make a difference. 
There's some of you right now are standing on the edge and say, my family is in disarray. Well, I wanna encourage you, be somebody who carries the peace of God wherever you go to bring peace with you. To not be somebody who makes it worse. You, you build lives. You stand on the edge of 2024. Oh God, strengthen my hands to build. Can I invite us to stand to our feet as we bring this to a close? I love it. And I say it with passion. You have a part to play. And can I submit to you that your part on the wall that you're called to build is not gonna be built by anybody else. It's yours. It's yours. What an honour it is to be shoulder to shoulder and build together. May God build through us. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it has blessed you. If you would like to find out more about Awaken City Church, visit awakencity.com.au.